This week begins our two-week hiatus from Christ, Culture, and Cinema. We are so thankful that you are benefiting from our humor, analysis, and insight into our contemporary culture, movies, and our Christian faith. This week, we are revisiting one of our favorite podcasts that feature Jennifer Tanner, now the Education Executive of the Florida Georgia District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. At the time of the recording, she was the principal of our school here at Grace. The movie is The Princess Bride and is a feature presentation in my just-released book, Christ, Culture, and Cinema, How Faith and Films Intersect. You can purchase the book at Concordia Publishing House, Amazon, and on Goodreads. Michael and I hope you enjoy the replay of The Princess Bride, and I look forward to your replies to the book. Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the Doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his trusted assistant, Michael Pop, as they explore the intersection of faith, movies, and our contemporary context. Welcome back to Christ, Culture, and Cinema. Today, joining us is our lovely principal, Jennifer Tanner. Jennifer, how are you today? I'm great. I get to talk about one of my favorite movies, so couldn't be better. Well, this is why we brought you along. Michael, we need to have a woman's perspective on this movie, don't we? It would probably help us out. We uh, we lack that, of course. Of hey, course. When it's time to talk about true love, you need true me. True love. True love. Yes, that brings us today to The Princess Bride. A story of true love, true love in all of its facets. Movie was released September 25th, 1987. What were you doing in 1987, Michael? In October of 87, I was a sixth grader. You were a sixth grader. Okay. Mm. Good times. I don't want to hear from you again. Jennifer, what were you doing? <laughs> we rented Princess Bride from Blockbuster along with a VCR nice. because we did not have one. Wow. <laughs> did not have the VCR. Well, they were like $500 back then. This is true. I, I was in yes. my uh, beginning of my junior year of college. That's where I was. Uh, directed by the great Rob Reiner. You know, most people know him from director fame. I know Rob Reiner as Meathead from All in the Family, uh, Michael Stivick, the oh, yeah. uh, son-in-law of Archie Bunker. Uh, he's been around a very, very long time. The and, target of Archie Bunker. Oh, yes. all the time, the target. You know, the movie, The Princess Bride, uh, financially is not considered a boom. It cost $16 million to make, and at the box office only made $30.9 million. And what I find amazing about that is... Everybody knows this movie. Everybody Everyone. can quote from this movie. So why didn't it make more money? I am dumbfounded by that. And just stop and consider uh, the characters and the cast that was assembled. We all know pretty much everybody who is in the movie. You know, you can start with the grandfather and the grandson. You know, that's the premise. Grandpa comes over. Grandson is sick. He's going to read him a book. Grandson, played by Fred Savage. Everybody knew Fred Savage from the television show, The Wonder Years. You all see The Wonder Years? Did that grow up in your generation? 
I prefer Doogie Howser, but the Wonder Years was on. Yeah. Do you realize in the Wonder Years, what sport team jacket did he wear in that show? Oh, that's way far back there. I'm sure it's a Jets. It was the New York Jets, my friend. That's right. Peter Falk plays the grandfather, who is known from my childhood, going back to when I was in grade school the old uh, cbs show i believe it was columbo, columbo. columbo. yeah i saw that coming yeah kind Never of watched it kind of the stumbling bumbling detective who was brilliant that was kind of his mode of operation look at the rest of the class though you had wesley uh wesley is played by carrie elways um you know where he turns up recently this i found kind of fascinating he is mayor larry klein of hawkins indiana in the a Netflix explosive show, Stranger Things. You know, I watched that show with my wife and never realized that's Wesley. That's the Dread Pirate the Robert. Dread Pi- I still struggle with, he's the bad guy in Days of Thunder. This he is wrecks true. Tom Cruise. So, you know, I had trouble getting over that. Tried, you know, going from good guy to bad guy, kind exactly. of hard. Uh, Anigo Montoya, played by the the wonderful actor and singer Mandy Patinkin, you know, he goes on too. Big TV career, Boston Public, Chicago Hope, Criminal Minds. Personally, my favorite one in the entire movie, Fezzik, played by Andre the Giant. So doesn't that make you think of true love? Oh, well, Andre, I'm, come on. Now, Andre the Giant makes me think of my high school years. You know, WWE wrestling is what it was back in those days. Used to wrestle in places like high school gyms. And Andre the Giant wrestled in my high school gym. And if you were on the football team and you helped set up the chairs for the event, you got to meet the wrestlers. So we got to meet Andre the Giant. And I kid you not, he could put his hand on your head and his fingers would come down below your chin. It was like being engulfed in human flesh. He was gigantic. He truly was a giant and one of the kindest, nicest, sweethearted people you will ever meet. And and it's interesting. That was supposed to be uh, uh, Schwarzenegger's role, right? They wanted Arnold for that role. He was supposed to do it. And at the time they wanted to originally do The Princess Bride, Andre was too busy and Schwarzenegger was little. By the time they made the movie, they couldn't afford Schwarzenegger, and Andre was at the end of his uh, career, obviously, struggling. So. Yeah, physically, he was breaking down at that point. Dies not that many years after the making of this movie. Uh, Princess Buttercup, uh, played by Robin Wright. Do you know where she turns up, where her big role is? Forrest Gump. There it is. She's Jenny. She's Jenny. Run, Jenny, run. Now we get back to the true love. Oh, she, she's <laughs> definitely the object of affection, I guess, when she's in cinematic uh, extravaganzas. Well, she obviously gets a hard heart as she gets older because she's in House of Cards as this politician's wife and then politician. Not a fun character. Not the sweet no. Jenny or Princess No Buttercup. true love there. Uh, let's not forget uh, Vicini, uh played by Wallace Shawn. Uh, the great voice in Toy Story of Rex, the uh, dinosaur for the movie Toy Story. He's also in The Young Sheldon on CBS right now. His voice pops up everywhere. It's very distinctive. Uh, plays the, 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 great, uh, the, the great kind of arch enemy early on in The Princess Bride. Lest we forget, Miracle Max, played by the one and only... 
Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. There you go. Another Saturday Night Live guy that we keep bringing into all these movies. It's amazing the reach Saturday Night Live had in the movies in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. And by the way, another guy with a great voice, a distinctive voice, he is in Monsters, Inc. Oh, yeah. You know? He's uh, he's the voice of the one-eyeballed guy in Monsters, Inc. And of course, uh, who is Miracle Max's uh, wife? Uh, Carol Kane. Yeah. yeah. Carol Love Kane. Love her and Scrooge. And don't forget, she was Latka's wife in the show oh, yeah. Taxi. <laughs> that's right. That's now you're going back seventies. We weren't. Uh, yeah, before my time. A yeah, little bit. sorry, you're aging yourself on that with Taxi reference. Yeah, you got to find it. She is brilliant in that <laughs> she playing Andy Kaufman's wife in Taxi, the the little uh, foreign woman from some country that is never dis- never named or described. We just know he's from somewhere else. Well, let's get into the movie a little bit today. Uh, Obviously, this is a love story, and we tend to think about, you know, how the love story opens up. Uh, if you go to YouTube, there's a scene called We Love, Do You Think That Happens Every Day? And it's it's really the opening of the movie with Buttercup and the farm boy who is Wesley, who will become the dread pirate Robert. And yet there's that recurring line, you know, every time the, uh, the Buttercup asks the, the farm boy to do something, he always says, Jennifer... As you wish. Yeah. (laughs) Just like your students do, right? (laughs) Not so much. Well, Peter Falk, as the grandfather, tells us as he's reading the book to his grandson that every time he says, as you wish, what he really means is, I love you. So we have this kind of total uh, romantic, over-the-top kind of love. and, And all of a sudden, the grandson, as he's hearing this story, as you wish, as you wish, he goes... Ew, Grandpa, is this a kissing book? You know, and that's the way probably a fifth grade boy would think as Most he's likely. hearing this. But the idea of what Wesley is doing is very selfless. It's very sacrificial. He's putting Buttercup ahead of himself. Uh, it's very Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so we have this kind of establishment of True love. That's what this movie is going to be about. His love for Buttercup and, alas, Buttercup's love for Wesley. But, you know, as you watch the movie, there's more to it than just this kind of romantic, over-the-top, husbandly love for a wife or wife love for the husband. Which brings me to that uh, second scene I want to just touch base on which is the sword fight, you know, when Inigo Montoya is on the top of the mountain and here comes the dread pirate Roberts, who is Wesley, climbing up the rope. Uh, There's going to be this great sword scene. Do you you remember that sword scene, uh, Jennifer? Oh, dear, no. Inconceivable that someone who loves the movie can't remember the sword scene. You'll remember it. (laughs) You know, they get to the top of the cliff. He's going to go left-handed... They had that yes, good fight. It's, yeah, you yes. were all over it. I will fight you left-handed. And then he f- discovers he's really right-handed. It's it's a wonderful scene, 
But he asks him after he gets to the top, he, he lets him catch his breath because he wants to fight him fresh because he's a wonderful swordsman, this Inigo Montoya. And he says, do you happen to have six fingers on your right hand? And Wesley looks at him with great confusion because whoever asks that kind of question, has anybody ever asked you, Michael, if you have six fingers on your right hand? Just you. Just me. Yeah. There it was. We, we witnessed it. And alas, Michael does not. <laughs> the reason being is the man with six fingers on his right hand was the man who killed Inigo Montoya's father. And Jennifer, do you remember that line? Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah. Excellent. And this is kind of a line of revenge, but I would tell you it's a line that is born out of love. It's kind of this Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 kind of love. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Anigo Mentoya loved his father. He honored his father. And yet his father is killed by the dreaded six-finger man over haggling on the price of the very sword that Inigo Montoya uses. So this drives Inigo Montoya throughout the entire movie. Although he is ultimately assisting Wesley, the dread pirate Roberts, in Finding Buttercup, he is still always pursuing the six-finger man. What is going on in the world today that people are in this kind of chaotic, angry pursuit of, of things that they just can't get their arms around? Just think of the chaos going on in the world today. Uh, are we going pandemic or politics? Well, you can go either <laughs> way you want to go with that. Well, and it's this hyper-focus that can just destroy your life when that's all you can see. And it destroys Inigo Montoya until his good friend comes and rescues him and gives him a new focus. Yeah, yeah. And it really is the case. You know, at the very end of the movie, and it's, it's really a spoiler alert, when Wesley wants to uh, cease being the dread pirate Roberts, the six-finger man has been defeated, Inigo is free. Uh, he speaks another line, and I, I was watching, it was a YouTube video about uh, the two most important lines in uh, A Princess Bride, according to Mandy Patinkin. And what he said was, he was watching, uh, he was working out, and his wife had The Princess Bride on in the background 30 years after he made the movie, so he was listening to his 30-year younger self. And he said at the end of the movie, it's when Wesley asks him, do you want to be the Dread Pirate Roberts, take over for me, kind of take on the job. And his line was this, he said, I have been in the revenge business so long. Now that it is over, I do not know what to do with the rest of my life. And this kind of introspective Mandy Patinkin said, you know, everybody knows the first line, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepared to die. He said, but that, that second line is so important. Because he said it's not about the business of revenge in our lives. It really should be about the business of love. And that's what Anigo Montoya figures out at the end of the movie. And how much more should we be doing that as people? You know, there's a, 
another scene, and it happens very early on in the movie. It's with Andre the Giant and Mandy Patinkin. Uh, they're on the boat. They're they're sailing off. You know, Buttercup uh, is in the water. She's they're they're now pursuing her, and it's between uh, the characters Fezzik and Inigo, a- and they start that little rhyming game. You're, do you remember the rhyming game, Jennifer? Stop rhyming now. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> yeah, it's. And what's what's fascinating about that particular scene is, although it seems kind of harmless and very innocent, what was going on behind the scene is critically important. Uh, and that was Andre the Giant was truly a giant. I, I think he stood about seven foot five, seven foot six, weighed about 500 pounds. Uh, he was massive. And so he was a spectacle most of his life. Uh, people would gawk at him, people would look at him, people would, you know, kind of stammer in front of him because he was a giant. He slammed Hulk Hogan. Come on. Well, huge. Well, even more huge. Hulk Hogan slammed Andre That's the true. Giant. That's probably what caused his downfall. Well, that was the end of his career. That was the very end of his wrestling career. But alas, this is not a wrestling show. So we go back to the movie. It's about um, love. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says... Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And and that really was the case between first Fezzik and Inigo as characters, but also Andre the Giant and Mandy Patinkin as actors. You know, one of the people filming that scene asked Andre the Giant, you know, does he like acting? And he said, what I like is that Nobody looks at me. Rather, I'm one of the one of the team, one of the crew, just one of the guys. And he needed that kind of brotherly love and affection and validation in his life. And this movie at the end of his life really gave that to him. Um, it's funny. He, did you know he owned a farm in North Carolina, Andre the Giant? No, I did not. Yeah, he uh, owned a farm. And somebody asked him one day, you know, well, why did he own a farm? And his answer was very profound. He said, because the animals don't look at me any differently than anyone else. Isn't that interesting? He found this kind of peace and calm of being, quote unquote, normal. So as we look at the uh, this this brotherly love, Uh, between actors and then between characters that really does carry itself through the movie. I think Andre the Giant as Fezzik typifies this kind of brotherly in Greek phylos love for those around him. Can you think of some other scenes in the movie where Andre the Giant uh, as Fezzik was simply helpful, loving, and caring to others around him? He got the horses. He got the horses. He got the horses. Yeah. Horses. I just picture him holding up Wesley's head. He's been mostly dead all day. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he goes, look, he moved his finger. I mean, it's, it's a great life. He moved his finger. You know, uh, you know, here he is encouraging. He's optimistic. He's all of these things that we as children of God ought to be. He's, he's a loving man. He is a gentle giant in so many ways. He's, he's affirming to all those around him. Uh, you know, you really look at that and you say, this is the very best uh, in the world today. Well, he's a glue guy. 
I'm sure that whole cast, you know, here's a guy they've seen in the ring. They've seen how big he is. He shows up, and he's just got such a, a sweet, you know, uh, aura to him. You know, he he's the guy that they all got to know, and he loved what he was doing. And you need those glue people sometimes you, on your staff, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you're doing in your groups and committees. You know, the person that everybody kind of focuses on. Yeah, you know, I would encourage uh, you know for you listening at home. If you have a chance, go to YouTube. There is a video called The Princess Bride, Andre the Giant, A Look Back. And it was made post-Andre's passing. And what you will discover is, in that video, the actors and the actresses genuinely and authentically loved Andre the Giant. That the movie, although a movie about love, I think what made it work so much is that this cast genuinely loved each other. And I think you're right, Michael, as you allude to this notion of glue, something that bonds or brings everybody together. That's exactly what Andre the Giant has done. Um, You know, as you look at Jennifer, you work uh, with a teaching staff in a school. You know, how do you see glue in a team environment like that? Well, you know, there's so many challenges that you face at the best of times in a school. And, you know, these are not necessarily the best of times for education, but it's that true caring for each other. It's that support that you have that helps you face those challenges. I imagine working on this movie must have been so much fun for them because they did have that support and care. And when you have a little fun, then work's not so bad. Yeah, I think that's an important uh, learning from this is having fun while you're doing whatever it is you're doing uh, is kind of this expressive love that kind of bubbles out. This camaraderie, this community, this sense of purpose and belonging together. I I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I know, Michael, you've coached uh, basketball for many, many years. Uh, Same kind of question for you. You know, where do you see that kind of bonding or glue Uh, within a team well there's usually that uh understanding that whoever one of your best players are have the ability to bring everybody around them and make them better or make the season miserable you know and and that's always kind of the the coach's uh hardest part is is how do you coach that up and help them understand that that they can be as good as they want if you're not helping the team get better and if they don't want to give off for for you also it just doesn't work and so uh that's why every year is different. Junior yeah. high basketball is totally different than what they see in the NBA or college. Yeah, you know, and having pastored churches for many, many years and work with lots of different groups, maybe the thing I take away from this movie and, and having a chance to look behind the, the making of the movie just a little bit is this idea of when, when people are working together and love is being expressed in a very genuine and authentic way, the end result isn't necessarily the most important thing. The community itself, the growth of the community itself becomes the most important thing. Uh, I heard it put this way once, it's not about me, but rather about we. And I think that's what happens in The Princess Bride. It isn't just about Wesley and Buttercup. It isn't just about Inigo trying to find the six-finger man. It's not even about just Miracle Max getting Wesley back to life again or what have you, but rather all of it as it comes together 
they really do become a collective we and an expression Definitely. of love. Absolutely. I've actually read the book the movie is based on, and this is one of the weird movies where it's so much better than the book, and it's because of the people. It's the way the people interact. Mm. They bring the life to it. So same for our lives. We can have the best plan for our future. We can have the best business model, but it's the people and the way you get along in community and the love you have for each other that brings it to life. I just heard our principal say, I don't have to read the book now. That's great. Wow, the better. principal gave you permission not, not to, to read, read the book. The book. Don't I, read the book. <laughs> you heard that. I heard that. So before you close, yeah, just a little little trivia. What team shirt was Fred Savage wearing when he was laying in bed? Chicago Bears. There we go. Just there want to point going. that out. Yeah, but the Wonder Years was longer, so he, he was a Jet fan. <laughs> now, having said that, we do live in a very chaotic time, and we live in a very turbulent moment in the history of our country. Uh, which leads us to our question of the day as we think about this authenticity of community, of love, and of working together. How can you, at home, reflect love in all of its facets with those around you, even in the midst of divisiveness, hostility, and chaos? How can you exemplify the very best of love to those around you? We're going to leave you with that thought. We welcome and thank Jennifer for joining us today. Michael, it's been fabulous as usual. Uh, hang in there, everybody. Uh, exemplify and typify love. And we'll see you next time. And we'll see you at the movies. Thank you for joining us for Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the Doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his assistant, Michael Pop. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies.